Holy Health, Health of Mommy Podcast. <laughs> Say it again. Holy Healthy Mama Podcast. I did. Holy Healthy Mommy Podcast. High five. <laughs>
including the Texas Medical Association, Texas Pediatric Society, and Head Start of Greater Dallas. Prior to launching Mark 9 Pediatrics, Dr. Moameka was the Chief Medical Officer for Aetna Better Health of Texas. She possesses a Six Sigma Green Belt, an MBA from Temple University, and is adjunct facility at UT Southwestern Medical Center. Holy cow, thank you for being with us, Dr. Moameka. <laughs> wow. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> and for listeners, I might sound out of breath. We're I'm running around over here trying to respect Dr. Moameka's time, acting like a crazy woman, so, whew, sorry. Plus, she's amazing. Did you hear all those cool things? <laughs> wow, okay. So Dr. Moameka, how are you today? I'm doing great today. We had a busy clinic day this morning, so I too was running, so I know how you feel. <laughs> busy, busy, busy over there. All right. Well, let's just dive right in here. Let's get to it. We had connected on Instagram. We bonded over trying to make nutrition and health the easy option, the standard, and you know, let's talk about how you incorporate nutrition into your pediatric practice. So that's a, a great question. Um, for me, nutrition is such an essential part of childhood from the time babies, actually before they're born, when they're still in utero, having the best nutrition helps them grow and develop appropriately. So mom's nutrition when they're in utero and then afterwards as they're growing, eating the right foods, staying away from unhealthy foods, and then also building healthy habits. So within everything I do for my health maintenance visits for each visit, I am really talking about nutrition and talking about how that child's growth and development are being impacted by their good nutrition or their lack of good nutrition. That's awesome. It can be, I know you have limited time when you see your patients and a lot of times in firsthand experience, as well as from other people, you know, nutrition doesn't even get talked about at all by their pediatrician. So that's really cool that you incorporated in there. Is it something that you, is a must for you with every patient? It is for most patients. I would say some visits, it's not necessarily something I focus on, but certainly for health maintenance visits, when they come in for their checkups, absolutely it has to be discussed because it's hard to tease it out. I, it would be difficult for me, and maybe it's my bias because I've always been interested in nutrition. <laughs> it would be difficult for me to have a conversation about your child's growth and development and the and immunizations without talking about healthy nutrition because you need that baseline to be able to fight infection, to be able to even be able to mount an immune reaction when we give immunization. So discussing how fruits, vegetables, whole grains, hydration are so critical to their everyday health. Okay. And by critical, do you mean that? You mean that fruits, vegetable, and diet is critical? It is critical. That's, that is where you get your vitamins and minerals. That's where you get your nutrients. It's, it's so essential. And I think that we don't take it as seriously. And there's always this thought that, well, I could just take a pill. I could just take a, vit a multivitamin. But if you eat your vegetables, that's what, if you eat your vitamins and nutrients, that's what your body is asking for. It's asking for whole, minimally processed foods. It's saying, yes, that's it. That's how I absorb it. That's how I get this into my system. That's how I stay healthy. So really, from the time that moms bring in that newborn, the conversation is really about making sure they're eating the right things, that they're being mindful as moms, especially if they're nursing, of what they're eating, 
And then also building good habits for that child so that your first foods aren't necessarily grains. I'm a big proponent of first foods being vegetables um, as opposed to grains. And then building from there and starting the, the, the habit of making vegetables normal for kids and making fruits normal for kids and healthy foods in general normal. But yeah, it is critical, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You said so many good things right there. One was that a grain doesn't have to be the first food for a baby. And since we're early on um, in episodes for my podcast, I actually haven't addressed that yet. Would you like to say a little bit more about that? <laughs> so, so I feel now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm saying this in front of um, <laughs> someone who's actually trained to do this. But my, my biggest thing with grains versus not grains is first of all, whole grains, right? So this is one thing a colleague of mine always pushes. She says, flour is not a grain, it is flour. <laughs> you want to make sure that you have actual whole grains. So if you're gonna have something for breakfast, oatmeal is better than toast. Have a bowl of oatmeal, have a whole grain. But for babies, I want them to get the feel of vegetables as normal. And I, I don't want families to think, oh, I need to give a grain because that'll fill the child up. Those first few foods are really more for taste, for texture, to get used to it as, as a new food that they're eating and to grow with that food as they get older. So starting with vegetables, adding fruits later on, and then grains eventually, but not as an essential thing that you need to start right away because they're getting a lot of their nutrients, most of their nutrients in those first few months of life from their breast milk or from formula. Yeah. And just to add a little bit, listeners, in case you're wondering, you know, uh, the good options for babies for their first foods, especially would be nutrient dense foods. We're talking like healthy packed foods, sweet potatoes, um, you know, those food like, oh gosh, what's another example? That's always the go-to avocado, those things that are yeah. just filled with nutrients. So little side note for anybody. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And there are things that you can make it home which is what I love about starting with vegetables is you don't have to buy the baby foods you can actually make these at home yeah for sure you know 50 years ago babies started eating foods as well and they didn't have these pre-packaged things a hundred years ago you couldn't go buy Gerber foods and you know people still started foods one way or another <laughs> yeah Absolutely. so Let's jump to some of these other common food beliefs that you see come through your doors. What are some common things you hear parents say and believe, whether it's positive or negative? So I actually just mentioned one of them, which is making baby food at home. And I always love when I hear parents saying, oh, we're just going to make our baby food at home. What should we start with? Um, so that's one that I love to hear. It's such a great positive thing to, for them to say, I believe that starting my child with whole foods is the best way to start. So that's a good one. Um, this, a, a funny one, this always is hilarious to me, is when parents come in and I talk about fruits and vegetables and it, just looking at the face of the parents, you could tell this is a battle for them. Um, and I had one parent who actually said, well, I don't want to punish him. I don't want to give him vegetables and punish him. I'm like, why do you think vegetables are punishment? And dad's response was, well, I hate them. So why would I give them to my child? <laughs> like, oh. it, that, that, it becomes challenging. And, and, and those types of beliefs are probably the ones that most hinder kids from getting the healthiest food. Yeah, that can be so tough to break down those 
barriers that we have as the parent trying to teach our kids to have these healthy foods. So it's like this whole dynamic of everybody's got to have a good diet and good relationship with food for <laughs> everybody. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you see any harmful behaviors that come through the door that are just repeated that you would like someone to just say, Hey world, that's not true. So, um, bottle feeding into the second half of your, so into your second year of life is not necessary. In fact, once kids are old enough to sit up on their own, they can use a spoon on their own. They can use a cup. You really need to transition to a cup. Um, if they are a baby that's formula feeding, then yes, they should continue on formula until a year of age. But for most babies that are nursing, they're, they're getting their, their nursing or their, their formula, quote unquote, their milk is coming from mom and everything else can be in a cup. There's no reason to suddenly introduce a formula. Um, and one message I send to families is the bottle is for food. So your baby's formula bottle is for food. Cups are for drinks. Don't put apple juice in the formula bottle. Don't put milk in the for whole milk in the formula bottle. That's the, those are drinks. Put those in a cup, because the minute it goes in a bottle, it changes the way that that kids um, treat that thing. So they treat it more like something they can have all the time, and they're carrying the bottle and they have it in their mouth, and then you have issues with tooth decay, you have issues with obesity, because now they're drinking their calories. And it's not, as you said, nutrient rich. It's not a good source of nutrition for them. Right. Um, the other, the other belief that I, I hope, at least in my patient population, I've broken is that babies need juice. <laughs> so they do not. That. <laughs> yeah. You they do not need juice. There's no reason a baby needs juice. I there really isn't anyone who needs juice. <laughs> Sorry, juice companies. <laughs> I hundred percent agree. <laughs> What they need is water and fruit. So that's juice, right? <laughs> if you have an apple and you drink some water, there you go. In your stomach, it's juice. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so, that, so those two beliefs, like the bottle going into the second year of life and then using juice as a nutritional requirement are, are really challenging, but things that, that I hope your listeners understand are not true. They don't, the kids don't need those things. Okay. So to reiterate, the bottle is only to be used as the mechanism for like the main nutrients. And once a baby is beyond that, you can use other like a cup or a spoon if you really want to, but you don't need to use the bottle to hydrate the baby. It's only Correct. for the main formula or pumped milk. That's the one, one thing you want listeners to know. And beyond the age of one, you don't even go there. <laughs> and then two, <laughs> kids and babies don't need juice. They just need no. whole foods, real foods, and juice doesn't really fall into that category because you can get your nutrients no. elsewhere. You can get the healthy benefits that juice maybe could have in the whole <laughs> food form without the added sugars. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. And then, okay, you said another word that we've got to talk about. You said obesity. Obesity. How do you address this in children and even overweight? What's your strategy here? So great question, especially in pediatrics. Um, 
what I focus on is the goal. The end goal is to either slow down weight gain or maintain the current weight, depending on the age of that child. Um, so for younger kids, it's more about slowing down. For older kids, it's about maintaining that weight until they get to a healthy weight for the age that they are. Um, and in order to do that, I, I, I talk to my families about this because I, I say you, it's hard to make any change in a habit. That's a difficult thing to do. But there are three things that are easy enough for most kids to do as long as they have the support of family. One is getting in an hour of exercise every day. So exercise I actually refer to as daily activity. Go take the dog for a walk, do chores for your parents, go out with your friends, go to the Y, do something, but get in 60 minutes every single day of an activity and try to make it an activity that you enjoy. So it doesn't even seem like exercise, you're just staying active. The second thing is about habit changing. So what I say to kids is every week you're going to do one thing, no more than one thing. So you're either going to add a good habit, which is a preference, or you're gonna stop a bad habit. It's always easier to add a good habit. That's always the easier one to do. Stopping sometimes can be challenging. But every single week I say to them, you know what, pick what you're gonna do next. The next time I see you, what, what, what's one habit that you can say, I'm either going to stop it because it's a bad habit or I'm going to start it because it's a good habit, whether it's I'm going to eat at least one vegetable a day for the entire week. I'm not going to drink soda this week for the entire week. Whatever it is, let's focus on that. And once you've mastered it over the week, we're going to add something else the following week. So we do that behavior change, add one good habit, break one good habit. The last thing that I say is, give yourself the benefit of the power of the next best choice. And this is one of those things that I do for myself, the next best choice. You're not gonna be perfect, nobody is perfect. Being healthy is about making these good choices, each and every choice that you make throughout the day. You want most of your choices to be good choices. Some may not be so good choices, but that's okay. If you had a candy bar this time, then at lunchtime, have an apple. Next choice, the next choice, what's the next choice that I have? So those three tenets are really what I focus on. Get 60 minutes of daily activity, really focus on habit change by doing one thing at a time, and then finally give yourself the opportunity to, to fail, right? So not necessarily fail, but to not make the right choice, and then don't give up. Just try again the next choice and keep moving. Yeah, I especially like that third one where you're saying give yourself the – you know, the grace to just keep moving forward. You, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Just because you ate a chocolate doesn't mean the whole year is shot. Doesn't mean the whole childhood is shot. It's, you just, you had a snack. Cool. Okay. So make a good choice in an hour, in two hours. That's fine. It's, you, you're a good, strong person. And one chocolate bar, doesn't harm you <laughs> you know if it's one little decision make a whole bunch of really good ones after that that's awesome yeah yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my philosophy that's my three-step philosophy those three steps are great so we'll make sure that we get those <laughs> written down so that people can <laughs> look at those i like those thank you so much for sharing okay so we actually got into this interview because you had left a comment on one of my posts where you said, you know, um, nutrition psychologists talk about how you can teach yourself to love healthy foods 
Now, can you elaborate on that? Because that's a really interesting concept. How do you start to love healthy foods? So um, this is actually important. I know one of the things that, that you and I could talk about is, is in terms of age. So this is important for anyone. Um, infants and toddlers, so when you start introducing solid foods for infants and they go into toddler age, we know that it can take them dozens of tries for them to actually accept a new food. So they have to keep reintroducing it every, every day, every couple of days. Yep, here's the broccoli. Yep, here's the broccoli. And then eventually they will accept it and it'll be part of their diet. And I think as adults, we often give up on kids long before they're ready to really acclimate to the new food. And if you give them the time, they will acclimate. Um, the same thing happens with adults, right? So habits are formed, habits can be unlearned. And for most people, in fact, the way the brain really works around food is it's associated with taste, smell, situations, emotions. So sometimes we're eating a certain food because this is the food I always eat on my birthday. This is the smell of this food reminds me of something that immediately makes me want to eat it. Or I know that every time I eat this food, it tastes in this great way, so I want to eat it. The same way that you taught your brain to do that or your brain learned to, to associate unhealthy foods with those positive things, smell, taste, food, um, situations, you can teach your brain to have healthy foods be associated with those two things, so with those three things, right? So you can have healthy foods associated with smells that you love. And my the best way I say to people to do that is to season it in a similar way to the food that you love. Because that's really where the smell is coming from a lot of times, the seasoning or the way that you cook it. So you cook it in a similar way, but you use a healthy ingredient. So a great example is baked chicken. So for those who like the who like to do a more of a vegan diet, you can do tofu and make give it the exact same seasoning, cook it the exact same way you would bake chicken, and certainly a vegetable-based protein is always going to be a, a animal-based protein, hands down. But not everyone is going to just want to eat tofu, <laughs> right? But if you give it if you give it that smell, if while it's cooking you're getting your brain into that same mindset, you're suddenly now associating the smell the taste, the flavors of, that you know from baked chicken with something healthier, which is tofu. The same thing with um, mashed potatoes, switching it to cauliflower, you make it in the same way, you give the same flavoring, you, your brain gets ready for it and it starts to associate cauliflower with potato and it likes it just the same. The final thing that I, I like to share with people is the situation. So in those situations where you would associate it on healthy food, you can associate healthy food. So whether it's sitting around the table with your family and just having a, a fun time at, in, in family game night and you have these snacks that you normally eat, switch it up and have healthy snacks and do the same thing and start to associate these fun moments, these great memories, these positive experiences with healthy food as well. And it becomes this habit of saying, when I eat healthy, I'm having fun, I'm smelling good things, I'm tasting good things, I'm enjoying this food. Yes, great tips. I like that. It's like you're making it realistic here. You know, you're not saying you got to do top to bottom, everything has to be different. Make one little swap at a time, and then you can build from there. And I really like Correct. your idea of the, let's say, game night. And, you know, if your family traditionally puts out 
chips and queso and I don't know, let's just say cupcakes. Well, next week, maybe add some grapes. The next week, maybe just uh, put out some chopped up vegetables too, you know, just switching one little thing at a time. And then before you know it, that's what you're snacking on is good stuff. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It's true. It's true. The brain, the brain is an amazing thing. It likes to learn and it's always learning. So help it learn. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, tricking yourself a little bit, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Tricking um, your husband, it's all right. <laughs> it's all for a good cause. It's all for a good cause. I always say it's like it takes a few weeks of change, but it impacts you for years. So it really is worth the effort of making sure that you make those changes. Yeah, awesome. Those are great suggestions. Okay, so let's get to our final little bit here. Um, well, actually, there's two more specific things. Okay. Can you list the best practices or steps to teach your children to love healthy food? What are a few things you would say, do this right now, and you're going to set yourself up for success? Good question. So first step we had mentioned earlier, which is you have to yourself believe in healthy food. <laughs> That's probably the first way to set your kids up for success, because they will, they will see through the smoke and mirrors. If you're having candy bars after dinner and telling them they are not supposed to do it, they'll see that. Okay. So first of all, helping yourself enjoy these healthy foods and then normalizing them for kids. Don't make it a ceremony. Don't make it this big to do. It's not a, re there's no reward after this. This is the meal, mm -hmm. right? And normalize things and get them involved in preparation or even cooking the food, depending on their age and what they're able to do developmentally. So whether it's helping you wash the vegetables or cut them, mm -hmm. or even helping you if they're old enough and teenagers, helping you do some of the preparation and putting the pan in the, the, the oven to bake it. So getting them involved in the process helps. And having some structured meal time, it doesn't have to be every day of the week, but a meal time that's structured where everyone sits together and does something healthy because we're social creatures. And what happens with social creatures is when you see your loved ones enjoying something, you're like, okay, I'll try it. She likes it. She, oh, everyone else is eating it. I'll, I'll take a bite. I'll, I'll do this. And if you do that over and over again, as I said, it may take weeks for this to finally become normal for everyone, but it's worth it. If you think of your toddler, your preschooler, your teenager, this is going to impact them into their 40s and their 50s. So it is worth a few weeks now <laughs> to be able to get that. Yes, a little bit of effort on the front end for a lifetime of success. So your Absolutely. steps here were start with yourself, normalize it, involve your kids, and provide some structure. So those are awesome steps. So I think starting there is just fantastic, and you're going to set yourself up for success. So thanks for sharing those. All right. Absolutely. Is there... Anything else that you wish more of your patients would know or listeners? What's your take-home message? The take-home message is healthy is, is a mindset. Just take it one choice at a time so that you can make healthy easy. That's my theme. My, my motto, motto is make healthy easy because it can be. So moment by moment, choice by choice, just make the next best choice. If you get tired, rest. <laughs> but get back on and keep going. All right. 
listeners, you heard it from the expert yourself, Dr. Moa Mecca, with years and years of experience, and she took this time on a Saturday, nonetheless, to share with you her best strategies to help set yourself and your kids up for success. So thank you, Dr. Moa Mecca. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks for listening to Holy Healthy Mama. If you loved the show, please leave me a five-star review. It will help with the show's visibility, initial and long-term success, and it will make my heart happy. All right, family. Love your babies, say your prayers, and eat your greens.